This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. This episode may contain material that is triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we'll throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Texas. Tejas. <laughs> so what what happened down in Texas? What region of Texas are we in? Because that's also a massive state. We're in Austin. On December 6, 1991, 15-year-old Sarah Harbison and her 13-year-old friend, Amy Ayers, were hanging out at North Cross Mall in Austin, Texas. They were killing time on a Friday night until Sarah's sister, Jennifer, and her school friend and co-worker, Eliza Thomas, both 17, were done with their shift at the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt Shop, located <laughs> at Hillside Strip Mall. I don't understand people's obsession with frozen yogurt. I'll stand by it. I yeah, I I mean it's healthier. Yeah. I'm not an ice cream person anyway though. Oh, see, I fuck up some ice cream. I love ice cream and I really don't like frozen yogurt. The only good thing about frozen yogurt is that I usually can get like those popping boba. Oh, yeah. On the doesn't matter what flavor you have frozen yogurt I get. I always throw those on top. The it's usually the ones. Yeah, the flavors usually don't match. No. At all. No. <laughs> my grant, my boyfriend gets like blueberry with or blue bubble. I don't know what he gets. The blue one. And then he gets strawberry boba. And it's all just a mixture of flavors. It's yeah, it's too much. It's it's too much. I think the the worst combination was I got like a it was like a Harry Potter themed um flavor it was butterbeer mm-hmm. and then it was like mango popping boba and i was like yes. i just want boba <laughs> I, so i ate them separate <laughs> from the ice cream just pull it over to the side i did um so after amy or and sarah were hanging out it was about 10 o'clock and then they made their way a few blocks to the yogurt shop from the mall to help close up The store closed at 11 and all four girls had plans to go to a slumber party. And just before midnight, Austin Police Department officer Troy Gay noticed smoke rising from the strip mall while out on patrol. The officer reported the fire and firefighters soon arrived on scene. As they were extinguishing the blaze, they came across a horrific sight. Uh Uh-oh. I know. Jennifer, Sarah, Amy, and Eliza were all dead. So, like, what's crazy is that somebody set fire to this store, like, in the mall. No, it, the the yogurt shop was in a strip mall. Got it. It's a strip mall. Yeah. <clears throat> so, even when we were talking about this before, I pictured it was, like, a mall. Not a Like, no. Southwest Plaza. No. And so, that's why I was like, Wow, somebody really tried to like burn this bitch. Down. No, it was a strip mall, but the okay. the girls, the thirteen year old and the fifteen year old, were actually at a mall that was a few blocks away. Got it. Yeah. Now it's all adding up and making more sense yeah, to yeah. me. Yeah. Got it. When you see the picture online of the outside, um, you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. Available on our website. Yep. Myvillagepodcast.com. <laughs> nice plug in. <laughs> 
So Jennifer, Sarah, Amy, and Eliza, all of the girls were unfortunately naked and bound and gagged with oh, their shit. own clothing. Wow. Amy's body was discovered in the middle of the back room, while Jennifer, Sarah, and Eliza were found in the rear of the back room, clustered into one corner. Okay. Eliza and Sarah were stacked on top of each other while Jennifer oh. lay close by. Interesting. Right. And so, from what I gather, it sounds like the girls, three of the girls were scared hiding in the corner. Yeah. And the other girl was in the middle of the room. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The girl's legs were spread wide open. Oh, no. And an ice cream scoop was placed between one of their legs. Oh, that's disturbing. I know. Their bodies okay. were burned almost beyond recognition. Damn. And the killer or killers had collected napkins and other flammable items around the shop and had doused them and the bodies with lighter fluid before okay. lighting the shop on fire. Okay. And yeah, I was going to ask like if they knew what kind of... Because if they were burned beyond recognition, I mean, I would say there definitely would have to be something to help the fire along. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, like some sort of lighter fluid and... Yeah, that's... Mm, okay. I know. It, it's really disturbing. Mm -hmm. Um, There were autopsies done on the girls, and it, they found out that all of them had been shot in the back of the head, execution okay. style, and at least two of the girls had been sexually assaulted. Author okay. Authorities also informed the media that there were two guns, um, suggesting that there may have at least been two perpetrators. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the yogurt shop and management and police investigators determined there was approximately $540 missing from the store. Okay. That's... It's a... I mean, what happened to the store and what was missing, whether it is just because of money. Um Yeah. The that was excessive what happened to those girls if it was just for money. Oh, one hundred percent. Like mm -hmm. five hundred dollars. I for, for so I don't understand like the mentality of like I'm gonna go rob this place for five hundred dollars mm -hmm. and then like risking like going to jail for the rest of your life or for, for like armed robbery or something over five hundred dollars. Right. But then it turns <laughs> into murder and the <laughs> the the shenanigans just pile up from there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem solely like monetary based. Oh no, I don't think so. I mean, there's no way that somebody would, unless you're of course have uh, some mental issues yeah, or something like that, but who knows? So from the start, there was a number of issues with this inv investigation. First off, the firemen who responded to the call did their job and in the process potentially washed away precious forensic evidence. Of course. Yeah, you have to, you have to put the fire out before you can actually see what's going on inside. Right. And up until that point, I mean, they probably honestly just thought it was a fire. Right. They didn't know they were going to find bodies inside. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it was midnight, so the... Shops should have been closed. Should have been closed. <clears throat> in in the early 1990s, forensic expertise was really lacking, and okay. having only one, the Austin area only had one fingerprint unit. Okay. 
Plus, with the small size of the city's homicide squad, there was only one homicide investigator on the shift. Oh, geez. For that night when the murders happened in Austin. I mean, Austin's not like crazy big, but it's still big enough. Yeah. Well, and then I can't even imagine one person having to like process all of that. Like, that's insanity. I'm sure things were missing. Of course. Regardless of the shortfalls, uh, Detective John Jones and his partner Mike Huckabee had more than their fair share of suspects. Okay. The phones at the police station rang off the hook and as tips flooded in. Okay. Um, That's good. They were overwhelmed when confronted with 342 suspects. And oh, shit. Dozens of false confessions. What the fuck? <laughs> That's also something I have never understood when watching, like, any of these crime shows the people that like falsely accuse themselves or like falsely accuse other people yeah or like they call in and they're like i did it why and it's like but what (laughs) they want their 15 minutes of fame i guess wild so considering the horrific nature of this as well as the staging of the bodies investigators first looked into serial killers um who may have been in the area mm-hmm. which led them to a man named kenneth allen mcduff all right kenneth mcduff was a texas serial killer suspected of at least 14 murders damn okay and he was convicted of murdering three teens on august 6 1966 fits his fits his bill mm-hmm. these killings were dubbed the broomstick murders because one of the victims' neck was broken with a broomstick after she was repeatedly sexually assaulted. Wow. Okay. So it it really matched up with what happened at the yogurt shop. Yeah, I it mean, sounds pretty similar. Minus the broomstick, but um, McDuff was actually sentenced to death, but his sentence was changed to life with the possibility of parole in 1972. Okay. And. Due to prison overcrowding, McDuff was paroled in 1989. Okay. And then he actually was believed to murder another girl, a 22-year-old Texan, in 1992. Okay. But when he was arrested for that and sentenced to death, on November 17th, 1998, the day of his execution, McDuff confessed to the yogurt shop murders. Um, it was a last minute confession and he thought it was going to spare his life, but he was mistaken. Ah, okay. I was like, what What would he have to gain by saying that he I, did this? I mean, but he just wanted to stop his execution. Okay. Well, because, yeah, then they would have to investigate yeah. and move forward now this is unsolved america (laughs) so i'm assuming his story didn't check out his story did not check out so they carried out the execution anyway okay but then looked into it and ruled him out because his fingerprints and the hair collected didn't match dna's a bitch yep didn't match him and it didn't link him to the yogurt shop murders okay so he was lying. He, he was, was lying. literally just trying to save his own neck. He was. He was. So going back to 1991, eight days after the murder, the investi- investigation got a tip to look into a teenager named Maurice Pierce. All right, Maurice. Maurice. 
<laughs> the 16-year-old was seen at the North Cross Mall with a gun on the very same night. Oh. Sarah and Amy were ha- hanging out there before they headed to the yogurt shop. Okay. The 13 and 15-year-old. Okay. The gun was a 22 caliber handgun, which was the same caliber of gun used to execute the girls. Okay. It's also, I feel like that's a pretty common gun. It is a common gun. It's, I mean, it's pretty much just a right, the regular yeah. handgun. But we're, uh, we're checking boxes. Yeah. Near the, near the crime scene, same caliber gun was on the, on the person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when, Detective Jones and Huckabee questioned Pierce along with his three friends he was with, mm-hmm. Michael Scott, Robert Springsteen, and Forrest Welburn. Nothing came of the lead. Okay. When Pierce's gun was tested, the ballistics showed it did not match the word murder weapon. Okay. Also, just like with Macduff, the fingerprints and hair collected from the crime scene did not met- match any of the four teens. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay. And eventually the investigators moved on so the hair and and you may not know this the hair and the fingerprints were they on the victims or were they just like in the shop i don't know i don't know because i would imagine there's probably a lot of people's dna in like a public place Mm -hmm. so like the dna that they have on file unless it was like on the victim or on the clothing or or it could have been in the back room like on the on the Handle. ice cream scoop or something. Fair. Like, yeah. That's a good point. So I don't know exactly where it was located. Okay. I didn't think I didn't think we would have that information, but I, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. So years went by with no arrest. Okay. And so the case was passed on to new detectives. Then in 1994, four spe- suspects in their 20s were taken into custody for the murders. And can you guess who those four suspects were? Maurice was one of them. <laughs> yep. So it was Forrest, Michael, Robert, and Maurice. The same okay. suspects who were questioned eight days after the girls were murdered. But this is how many, how long after? It says years. So okay. 1999. So eight years after. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's when they finally got arrested for the murders. Yep. So one of the suspects, Michael Scott, confessed to the killings. And he was not alone. Robert Springsteen also confessed to the killing the girls and sexually assaulting one of them. Wow. Okay. After the confessions. The, right. After the confessions, the police were convinced they had their killers. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> the theory was that the four had planned to rob the yogurt shop like we thought. Which is wild. Right. For $540. Okay. And then Scott Springsteen and Pierce entered the shop while Wellborn was waiting outside and was being a lookout. And then something went wrong during the robbery and all the girls were killed. Okay. Wow. The authorities tried to indict Wellborn for the murders as well, but they lacked the evidence to link him to the crime. Okay. So all the charges were dropped against him. And can you remind me which one of them was the one that actually worked at the yogurt shop? Was it was it only one of them that worked at the yogurt shop? None of them worked at the yogurt shop. The two oh. girls worked at the. Yogurt. Well, no, that's what that's what I meant. So yeah. two of the girls worked yep. there, but then there was a third a third one that was the little sister. There was two, one little sister and her friend that um, were there too. Okay. And the little sister and her friend came, and they were all going to go to. Like the a sisters sleep, yeah. 
house to have a slumber party. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But no, I was, the only reason I was wondering is because like the thing that could have gone wrong was they they were only expecting X amount of people to be in the shop. And then if somebody else comes from like the back room right. or something, that would definitely cause somebody to panic because your quote unquote plan didn't go. That is true. Right? That is true. Um, they were probably <coughs> expecting two instead of four exactly. humans in the building. This is all wild speculation, but also like you're if it's only two guys in the shop and all of a sudden there's four people, mm -hmm. you're outnumbered. Right, right. So, <clears throat> I mean, even though they were, yeah, men with not men but boys with guns, and yeah, whatnot. Wild. Okay. So again, the. Charges against Wellborn were dropped, and also the charges against Pierce were dropped due to lack of evidence, okay. um, which was particularly hard for the police and the victims' families, as they considered the uh, Maurice Pierce to be the mastermind behind the crime and the killings. Okay. Um, S Springsteen and Scott were tried separately for the yogurt shop killings. Okay. And both were found guilty of capital murder. Okay. Springsteen received the death penalty and uh, Michael Scott was sentenced to 99 years in prison. Wow. Okay. Right. So years later, though. Okay. <laughs> also, once again, I was like, sounds solved. Right. Tiff. I know it does sound solved, but it isn't. Oh, no. What else happened? What so, else went wrong? Not long after the trials some concerns were raised because they were suggesting Springsteen and Scott may have been innocent to start. There was no physical evidence linking either of them to the crime. Additionally, okay. both of the men said their confessions had been coerced and there was some evidence to back up that claim. Okay. One of the detectives on the case was transferred after he allegedly extorted confessions in an unrelated case. Oh no. And then a photo came to light of another member of the Austin Police Department pointing a gun at Scott's head during Whoa. his interrogation. <laughs> that is, you had one job. Right. That is wild. Right. I you mean, pointed they, a gun at that poor boy's head. Right. Not poor, you know what I mean. Well, I mean, at a potential murder. Murderer, Mur but yeah. You should have known that. That's on camera. There's. It's on. It's on camera. It's highly unethical. You have one job, and that's to get the get the confession willingly from the person <laughs> sitting across the table from you. Mm -hmm. You can't, of course, if gun to your head, of course you're going to be like, I did it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Right? Well, and police are more than, uh, they're, it's encouraged for them to lie to yeah. suspects. They can say, you know, you can go home after this. Just tell us what happened. Yeah, that's that's I mean, that's normal, shady police politics. Correct. But yelling at them, not providing food and drink, mm -hmm. coercing them, pointing a gun at their head. Fuck, that's so wild. That's a violation of the Sixth Amendment. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And so all of the the both of these uh convictions were overturned in the courts of course um, as they should be and they actually were not able to confront their accuser oh wow okay um which is also a sixth amendment right mm -hmm. 
Um, so Springsteen and Scott's confessions were used against one another at trial, but their lawyers were never given the opportunity to cross-examine the accuser. Oh, great. Okay. Um, and so, of course, it was determined their constitutional rights had been Which that's because they were tried separately, they right? They were tried separately. Okay. We did some things, Austin, Texas. Right. Police department. They went rogue. For real. Wow. In 2008, so about okay. 17 years after the murder, DNA testing was done on the evidence, okay. and the male DNA found did not match Scott or Springsteen okay. or any of the other men suspected of the crime, for that matter. Oh, So wow. all four of the guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then, like, what's crazy is, like, why? <laughs> why did you, conf- like, okay, I get it. Coercion, gun to the head, you were like, yeah, I guess I did it. And also, like, I guess in those situations are like where it's like high stress, you do start to like believe. Mm-hmm. Like, what? That's why they ask you the same question over and over and over again, and they like kind right. of suggest guilt on your part because it it makes you think that you're guilty. Right, and they also want to see if you're tripping up from like repeating yeah. the story so many times and if wild, yeah, you know all of that. But then, like, also, like, why eight years later? I I'm. I don't know. It was new detectives. Like, what? There was new detectives, and they really thought that these four kids were responsible. Well, and what was your, what, I want to know what their evidence was to go and arrest these people. Like, what was the, what was the defining moment? Then you were like, aha, we got them. Let's, eight years later, we got them. Let's go arrest them. Because he was seen with a gun, and it was the same caliber. (laughs) but we already did the ballistics and it doesn't match. I know. Wild. Okay. They just wanted to close the case. I'm I'm frustrated with like just how law works. <laughs> right? That's it. Well, and it's frustrating going through all these stories because we yeah. can see how many times there's been a mess up on the police force. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying all of the police forces oh, yeah. no, are bad, not. not at all, but there's definitely some things that shouldn't be done by certain people and you know, yeah, people should be supervised in these situations right. at all times. The DA at the time in Austin, Texas, was sure that Scott and Springsteen were responsible for these murders, but the men couldn't be re-prosecuted until they found who the unknown male DNA was or who okay. it belonged to. Um, most of the authorities believe that they had the right four guys all along and that the fifth men must have been helped must have helped perpetrate the crime explaining away the unknown dna evidence okay but the defense attorney for scott and springsteen called the fifth man theory ridiculous and stressed that no one ever mentioned mentioned a fifth participant yeah until the inconvenient dna results came in truly it's like all along, we thought it was these four boys mm-hmm. that did this, that murdered these girls. And now all of a sudden, the DNA doesn't match. They're like, ha ha, there must magically be a new person involved. Yeah, you must have had a friend. But they were still there. They were, they had to be, because that's what I think. Fucking wild. Okay. Um, some of the lawyers and investigators who studied this case think that the killers were actually two yet unidentified customers. Who were in the yogurt shop at the time of closing. The police interviewed 52 customers who visited the store on the day of the murders. Okay. But the two men who 
the two men who witnessed, but two men who were witnessed placed there at closing time have never been found. Okay. And I'm assuming like CCTV wasn't working or maybe we didn't have CCTV. It, yeah, going it was on. 1991, so it wasn't as predominant as well, right now. We see those shows where mm-hmm. they show us the camera footage from like a week ago, and I'm like, y'all still don't have HD cameras? No. And most of the time, those are taped over and over and over mm-hmm. each other. And they have the audacity to post this grainy ass picture and be like, can you identify this person? It looks a blob. What are you talking <laughs> about? I can't see any features. Right. It's a tall man with dark hair. Like, what? Mm, <laughs> is it dark? Right. Is or it... is he in a shadow? Exa- I don't know. Exactly. Get better cameras, people. Three customers who left the store just before closing on their way out noticed these two men sitting okay. at the booth, not looking like they were leaving anytime soon. Oh. The men who have the men may have ordered a soft drink or something, but we're just sitting there. At least one of the customers then saw Jennifer lock the front door and put up the closed sign so no more customers would enter while they cleaned up. The two men in the the two men remained in the booth um after all the customers left and after she locked up. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Witness described the person of interest as follows. One has a lighter hair, maybe a little dirty blonde, and is about 5'6", in his late 20s, early 30s. Okay. And the other is described as a bigger man. Both were wearing bigger coats. One had a green coat, like an army fatigue kind of looking jacket, and the other had a black jacket. Okay. And to this day, neither of these men have been identified. Damn. In the end, it's questionable if robbery was really the motive in the case or something else. And given the small amount of money taken and the extreme violence that mm-hmm. occurred, it's hard to imagine that these murders were merely, merely just a result of a robbery gone bad. Yeah, I concur. It's more likely that this crime was sexually motivated and the killers grabbed the money as an afterthought. It definitely, the way it seemed yeah yeah they think that um doesn't seem money motivated either they think that one of the girls either sarah or amy knew one of the guys which would also make sense well pseudo makes sense it doesn't make sense to me personally but like why they would like lock them in there because they're like oh they're cool they're just gonna hang out with us while we clean up and then we're gonna go hang out Mm -hmm. right so um Sarah and Amy were actually the sister and friend, but okay. so they have two theories: either they knew this the two coworkers, okay, or these men followed Sarah and Amy from the mall to this location. Ooh, okay. So, um, yeah, so they don't know which which one f- happened or which one was the case, but okay, it's either one of those. Um, and so the key to solving this case is the dna that was found at the scene and the male customers seen by witnesses okay so if anyone has any information and was around austin texas at the time in 1991 in 1991 and remember this contact the austin sheriff department yeah um yeah that's wild it's a crazy story. I mean, it's so violent for no reason. So, yeah, it's violent. It's it's things aren't adding up. There was a lot of negligence on 
the investigators part, <clears throat> the police department's part. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I know. Very sad. It is very sad. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions. 